What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Monday, November 19th, 2018, and you guys are listening to episode 379. Uh, I realized that I did not tell you guys that I was taking a week off. Um, Maybe that's because I didn't fully know if I was going to do that or not, Um, but with everything going on, and uh, just an absolute whirlwind, guys, uh, and with the traveling and the getting back home and the birthday and all the shit going on, um, it was, I was, I was just something I was like, oh, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm going to do it back on Monday the 19th. So uh, sorry about that if I did not let you guys realize that I was going to be on a, uh, a little break there. But uh, I am back today, and I got to tell you, I got so much shit for you guys, Um movie review, a ton of stuff on sports, well, not a ton of stuff on sports, but a lot of uh, shit on sports, uh, my unacceptable, your guys unacceptable, uh, I'm going to talk about performing at Madison Square Garden, I'm going to talk about the reviews of the Comedy uh, Central special, I'm going to talk uh, just a ton of stuff um, going on, so uh Sit back and relax and get ready for another uh, full episode. I will fill you guys in and make up for the uh, the lost time for sure. And I know it's going to be a good one because I'm sitting here with my 100% Colombian coffee. And you know when I put the Colombian coffee down the, you know, down the hatch, you know it's going to be, I'm going to be raring to go. I'm like the New York Giants the last two weeks. <clears throat> you know, so... I know, I know it was the 49ers and the Buccaneers, but you know what? Offensive line seems to be protecting. And it's pretty amazing how uh, he's having career high numbers when he's being protected. But we'll get into that later. Uh, like I said, ton of stuff to talk about. And uh, I will first talk about my sponsor, Capper Network. Guess what, everybody? Tonight is a big, big NFL football game. Okay? It is the... What is it? The nine and one Chiefs versus the nine and one Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I ran into my buddy Peter Schrager there from uh, Good Morning Football NFL Network. I also did a show. Uh, talk to you guys about that. I did a show for the NFL Network, which will be airing on Friday. The Kyle Brand Show, six thirty on um, NFL Network. You could check me out. I did a little cameo there. Did some picks. Did some unacceptables on his show. Had a good time. But Peter Schrager picked. The Rams and the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. He picked that back in August before the season started. And uh, look, he, uh, you know, I mean, other than the Saints who look really good, those two teams look good. Anyway, I went to Capper Network and I made the pick that the Rams were going to win. The line is minus three. For you people that don't know, it basically means the Rams are favored by three points. They have to win by more than three and you win the bet. I did the max amount of units you could uh, do on Capper Network, which is five. And I said, I think the Rams will do so. And I believe if it ends up being three, then I believe it's a push, which means it's no bet. Now, what is Capper Network, you say? Capper Network, the sponsor of the Verzi Effect, means it is, I'll tell you what it is. It's the best um, online prediction website there is. They generate your ranking. They generate your uh, winning percentage. It's completely free to sign up. Whether you are new and you don't know really what you're doing with fantasy or, or handicapping games, uh, you get ranked on a leaderboard. If you start to win, people can pay you for your predictions, so you can make money that way. You can make money on by looking at the leaderboard and getting predictions <clears throat> Excuse me, from other people. So no matter how you slice it, 
no matter where you go, this is a win-win. Okay, it's free. You can it can help you with uh, making some money. It can just make you have fun watching the games because you know people could pay you for your predictions. You could look at the leaderboard. You could even do something where you uh, draft. Uh, you do a fantasy like for capper like cappers. What does that mean? That means that you look at the leaderboard and you can draft the best available handicappers on the site for a team that you have and you can make money off of their picks too. It's an amazing website. It's a no-brainer. My percentage is still in the 40s, but I'm going to I'm going to it starts tonight. I'm bringing that back up. And it's a lot of fun. It's one of the only sites where you watch a game feeling like you have like real big money on a game, but you it's just about you being right. It's for that dude I called it moment. You know what I mean? Now you have to prove it. That's the thing. Pick it, prove it, profit. Uh, Capper Network. Please check it out. Sign up. Tell them the Verzi Effects sent you. Sign up for it. It's completely free. You guys will love it. There's always adding stuff. Also NBA games, NFL games, and they're constantly adding. So please check that out. Um, Capper Network. I put all five units tonight on the Rams. So go Los Angeles. And of course, All Things Comedy, guys. Go to All Things Comedy for the uh, podcasts, for the albums. By the way, if you are in the California area, the second special released on Comedy Central, um, produced by All Things Comedy, will be Ian Edwards. He is doing it in Long Beach, California. You can go to the uh, All Things Comedy Twitter and All Things Comedy website to see uh, what exact venue, but I know it is December 11th in Long Beach, California. Ian Edwards, Bill Burr presents Ian Edwards for Comedy Central. That will be the second one. Uh, please check that out. They've been amazing to me. You could follow them on Twitter at All Things Comedy. And um, yeah, just you know, real quick on the special, I want to thank everybody here um, from the bottom of my heart who watched it, who told people to watch it. I'm getting messages all over the country saying people have watched it multiple times and are loving it. Thank God. It was a lot of work. I was really happy with the television edit as well, which I was really nervous about because you could do a special and then all of a sudden people see it on Comedy Central or a TV and they're like, oh man, I didn't I didn't want it like that. I wish they didn't cut that joke. I wish they left that joke, all that stuff. They were amazing with uh, letting me take part in editing my own special or being a big part of it. And uh, people are loving it. Um, so thank you. It is available right now. For A lot of people are asking where they can get it. I'm actually not going to lie. I kind of loved that people were going to other places like Netflix saying, why is Paul Verzi special not here? Or, you know, uh, just letting people know that they really liked the special and they wish they could see it on other platforms. But Comedy Central gave me an amazing platform. So many people saw it and more people keep seeing it. If you would like to see my special, if you did not see the special, I'm sure most of you did if you listen to this podcast religiously um, and you live in the States. But ComedyCentral.com, you can see the special, okay? If you have the Comedy Central app, it is still streaming for the rest of the month into December and it is it's on demand. I don't know what cable company you have, but if you have Comedy Central on demand uh, on your cable, on your TV, you could just go and you'll see it there. Paul Verzi, I'll say this, or Bill Burr presents Paul Verzi, I'll say this on Comedy Central, it's under the stand-ups, you can check that out. Sorry, I'm just sipping my uh, <clears throat> my Colombian here. So anyway, um, thank you all uh, for the kind words, the nice reviews, and it, uh, it means a lot. I'm not going to lie, this shit is nerve-wracking, you have people, you know, 
you have people from all over watching you and you don't know what's going to be said. And of course, there's always going to be a couple of negative ones. I'll be honest with you. I go to this deli. I go to a couple of like regular spots. I go to a couple of different delis by me. I go to a, um, a diner. I go to a little cafe. There's like four or five places I go. And everybody is being so nice coming up to me saying, oh my God, we saw the special. We love the special. And it's nice. But there's one woman who I know didn't like the special because of my language. And, uh, you know, and and, she, and I was just fucking bugging me. It's like, I come in here all the time. And I know it shouldn't, but it's like, I come in here all the time. I buy fuck, I buy shit in here all the time. And you're going to, like, give me shit because of my language or, like, I know I get a sense. It's like, I don't even want to deal with that. Anyway, I don't care about those people anymore. I'm just, like, focusing on the people that enjoy my shit. And I realize that. You know, uh, one one thing to let you guys know is that when you do something like this and you have a special that comes out, um, yeah, your career goes to another level, more people know you, and that's amazing, and it's an adjustment. And I remember um, a bunch of comedians, my mentor, Bill Burr, other people said to me, listen, it's going to take you about two weeks to a month to really adjust to the next level, adjust to the next level that you get to. And that was really true, you know. That was really true because um, I didn't realize that, you know, A, man, we're insecure, sensitive fucking people, especially about my art. I take my art very fucking seriously. I take my jokes seriously. I take what I do seriously. And when I put energy and effort into something, you know, so I'll see 90 positive things and then one negative one and you go at them. And we talked about that. But... It's just also how people see you, how people talk to you. It's definitely an adjustment. And this is only one special, you know, uh, so I couldn't imagine, like, you know, how, how other people have to deal with stuff. But um, everybody, for the most part, has been incredibly nice. And uh, it's it's been it's been nice to, like, have family members and, uh, you know, uh, my wife and people like that's, like, telling me that the people that are coming to them, it was received well. But I will tell you, it was an adjustment. It was nerve-wracking, and you don't know what to expect. All you could do is do what you do. But we did feel it was a good special. I really um, am very happy with how it came out. So again, guys, thank you so much. And please tell people. And by the way, thank all of you who did tell people, hey, go to this and watch it, because there was a lot of that too. But it's still available on demand on the Comedy, streaming on the Comedy Central app right now as we speak. You can watch it, and on ComedyCentral.com. So uh, so there you have it. Guys, um, I do not. I did this podcast two days before the garden. So I just wanted to talk about that. Um, this was a little different than doing the TD Garden in Boston where I almost missed the spot. Had to dump my car in a towway zone, run into a fucking basketball arena, get on stage and start telling jokes for 18,000 people. This was waiting back there with my peers, with my, you know, um, with everybody. And uh, just trying to keep everything calm and fresh until I went out there. And it was almost better to just run in and not think about it. But here we're at the garden. It's my home. Made sure obviously I had time. You know, family, friends. My my um, my mother-in-law was in there with family and friends. Uh, my wife was there with some friends from our neighborhood, which is always crazy. Because, uh, you know, you're performing in front of people that you're going to see at a soccer game. And you never know what, um, you know, people are going to think or whatever. But 
Uh, just want to shout out, thank you so much, Bill Burr, for having me um, at Madison Square Garden uh, in the round, 18,000 people. Joe Bartnick opened the show, did a great job. He killed up front. And then uh, one of the cool things was they asked me what music I wanted to come out to. And normally I'll come out to like Foo Fighters or some, you know. I was like, you know what? This is New York. I want to go back to Nas. So I took my favorite track off of the Illmatic album, It Ain't Hard to Tell. And the hook really doesn't come in until about 23 seconds. So they had that queued up for me. And then I went up there with Club Soda, uh, Club Soda, Club Soda Kenny, our guy, Bill's, Bill's security and showrunner and all that. And he walked me right up and just Nas starts blasting for 18,000 people. And it was just insane. I went up there and I'm not going to lie. I had the time of my life. One of the best sets I ever had in my life. I was just having so much fun in front of 18,000 people. It was amazing. Um, afterwards we were just floating. We were like, I can't believe we just did that. Bill went on and crushed for well over an hour. And then we get in the back afterwards and Chris Rock and Quest Lover back there. And apparently Chris Rock said that we killed, meaning me and Bartnick. And then he said some amazing shit about Bill being like the, the new king or something. It was just a, a wild, wild night. And then we uh, shout out to the Mazzillis. The after party at Gotham Comedy Club was amazing. They had that that show Cake Boss. They had that guy make a cake for Bill um, for the tour and everything. So it, it was just um, a really unbelievable, memorable night. I'm sure Bill talked about it. I'm sure Bartnick talked about it. And, you know, I'm late to the party with the, with the podcast because of a, a week off. But... Um, you know, I just wanted to say my part and from my perspective, it was uh, truly insane. And the round is center court, center ice. So, you know, and yeah, I mean, I think I did this podcast on the 5th. So this was two days after. So I just wanted to let people know that it was one of the most insane, amazing things. And um, it's just one, it's like a dream come true. You know, like that's really what all oh, the only thing I could say is like a dream fucking come true where... It's so fucking surreal that when you're done, right? And and I and I'm just I just want you guys to have the experience or as much as you can know. When you're done, you're like, yeah, I just did a set. But then what processes in your head is a where you did it, New York City, Madison Square Garden, and then oh my god, wait, my manager is here in a suite up in the skybox in a suite with a ton of industry looking at me, and I just killed in front of them. Oh wait. Comedy Central's in here because they're part of the New York Comedy Festival. Oh, wait, there's celebrities here. And you're just sitting there taking it in, and it just, as the night goes on, it gradually hits you. Like, it's 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 an amazing um, thing. And um, But I was ready, and I was prepared, and that's the thing. John Wooden, you guys heard me say it a million times, favorite quote, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. I was ready. I was prepared. I knew what I was going into. I knew how I was going to do it. Um, you know, and, and all that, and, and when I was going to do certain things and it was fucking awesome. So there you go. That was MSG. And then the next day we hopped on a fucking airplane, Bill, me, Bartnick, Kenny, and we flew to Chicago and I'm not going to talk about the hotel cause I know Bird talked about it a lot. He told me he talked about it a lot, but they just tell me where I'm staying, and it was the Trump Hotel in Chicago. And, you know, I know there's all these fucking people going, uh, oh, how could you stay? How could you stay there for that guy? It's like, listen, I fucking go where I'm told to go. 
okay? I'm going out there. I'm scheduled to perform at the beautiful, famous, incredible Chicago Theater with two of my best friends. And when the car service comes and I get an email and they say, this is where you're staying, I'm not fucking making waves, okay? That's where we were staying. That's where we got booked. I'm staying there. I don't give a fuck. I don't let politics dictate where the fuck I stay. But I will tell you this shit. And like, again, I don't want to step on anything that Bartnick or Burr said about about the, the hotel. Because I'm, I'm sure both of them have talked about it. The Trump Hotel in Chicago. Put your fucking politics aside. I am telling you this right now. Okay? As an independent, you guys know. I got no dog in the fight. I sit back, I watch, and I'm going to watch all you fucking lunatics start barking like crazy fucking dogs after the next election. And then the election after that, election after that. That man's hotel is the fucking dopest hotel I've ever been to in my life. Hands down, fucking period. Okay? You know, I could not believe... I could not believe the level of service. You press a button, the curtains open. Like, the shower and the sauna or the steam. You just press a button and the water comes out. And then you press buttons to make the temperature of the water. There's no turning shit. But what really made... And I know this is going to sound funny to you. What made me really think it was just crazy over the top, like wild over the top, was there's a fully stocked refrigerator with ice in your thing. Not just booze and all that shit. There's that too. But you have a fully stocked soft drinks. Then you have the expensive candies and all that stuff on top. But then there's a tray of ice. But the water, the regular house water and Gatorade, was a temperature I've never felt before when I've just taken something out of a thing. It was almost as if... The chill of God himself, like God just tapped the top of this thing and just like frosted it. But here's the weird thing. The outside wasn't frosted. So I know I know you guys are probably like, what the fuck is he talking about? It's cold water. No, it was actually different than cold water. Imagine something that is so incredibly and painfully cold. But when you look at the outside of it, there's no frost, there's no condensation. So it looked like this water that was room temperature, just sitting on the counter. You know, if you get a bottle and you don't drink it and it's just sitting there? It looked like that. And then you opened it up and you sipped it. And it was so fucking painfully cold and a temperature which I've never experienced that I was, I couldn't fucking believe it. I even left it on my nightstand next to my hotel bed. And like hours later had another sip and it still had this godly chill to it. It was, I was just like, this is fucking unbelievable. It was unbelievable. When you walked in the door, like the concierge and the people up front and the people telling you everything, they, they were, it was almost as if, and here's another crazy thing. Oh, and I got to tell you guys a really funny story too, but, uh, it was almost as if they... It was almost like somebody's like, listen, man, Paul Verzi, Joe Bartnick, and Bill Burr are coming in here. I need you to remember their names, and here's another hundred. I need you to treat them like... And you, and, and there was one woman there. She was working the front desk. She was from Romania. She was from Romania. Very, very nice. Very friendly. Days later, we were there for a few days. Days later, she saw me come out of the spa in a robe. I was just in a robe. I'm walking around this hotel in fucking slippers and a robe. I didn't give a fuck. I'm using the amenities. You guys know that I like that shit. I like plush shit. I like five-star shit, right? So not in a snobby way. I just never had shit like that. So I'm going to fucking walk around with a jar of gummy bears and fucking flip-flops or whatever. I don't give a fuck, right? 
So I end up walking out of the steam room, the spa, the men's spa, and uh, days later, and I'm just standing there, and I go to the elevator, and I'm kind of like, man, I want to just get the fuck, get to my floor quick. I'm, I'm like, even though I'm comfortable, it was a little weird standing around. Like, I'm like, maybe I should have brought sweatpants and a t-shirt. Like, I'm just walking around this place like it's my living room, and it's like this huge hotel. And at one point, it's just me and the Romanian woman waiting for the elevator. And she just goes, hello, Mr. Verzi. Like, remembered my last... And this is somebody that, like, I just saw in passing and just, like, swiped a credit card like any other hotel. Remembered my name. Like, it was... <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how amazing it was. Uh, something happened on the plane that made Joe Bartnick cry laughing, so I will share this with you guys. Um... We were sitting up in first class on the way to Chicago, right? And uh, <laughs> we're we're going there, we're having a you know having a nice time. We're in first class, so we're getting like we're getting shit, you know. We're, is this the uh, unacceptables? Yeah, okay. So I got some unacceptables and all that. We're gonna do that too. I'm telling you guys, you guys are in for a nice show. You're in for a nice show. Sit back, relax. I'm gonna make up for the missed one. Sorry about that. You're gonna get this one. Then you're gonna uh, get Patreons. Uh, coming in the rest of the month and all that stuff. So, it, it, like I said, it's been a whirlwind, all that stuff, trying to stay away from being sick and all that shit. Just, it's been nuts. But we're back. And we're back. What was that uh, Will Ferrell, Harry Carey? We're back. So, we're on, we're on, uh, what were we on? Delta. What, Delta First Class? I think, yeah, well, we're on Delta First Class. We're going to Chicago from New York. Night after, I mean, this is like hours after the after party at Gotham after after the Garden. And me and Bartnick are sitting next to each other. Uh, Bill is sitting to the left of us, and Kenny's in front of us. And as the flight goes on, me and Bartnick are like, fuck it. You know, Bartnick's like, yeah, I'm doing Bloody Mary. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get a spicy Bloody too. So Bill's just looking at me, and Bill's just looking at me and Joe, just shaking his head. He's like the, like the, the, the uncle, the older brother, or like the dad looking at the two younger ones, just like these two, you know? We're like, no, no, we'll be fine. We'll take a nap at the hotel. We're not going to drink too much. But then when we got the second or third one, he was just really shaking his head because we just were drinking bloodies on the way to Chicago. But when it came to the meal, right, the lady comes over and she leans up to, to Kenny and Kenny's last name is, is uh, Fetter. So she goes, uh, Mr. Fetter, would you like something to drink? So I'm like, God, oh, that's a really nice touch saying the last name, you know. So then she comes over, she leans over. Oh, Mr. Burke, would you like something to... Uh, you know, what would you like for dinner? Doing the whole thing. So then I lean over to Joe and I go, dude, that's really nice how they like say your last name up here. Like that's how fucking much I've not been in first class where I, I, <laughs> the little things like say, like even at the, at the hotel, oh, remembering Mr. Verzi. And it's, uh, guys, you know, I'm not a fucking snob like that. Like I'm, I'm easy going like that. I'm just saying like, it's nice shit. Like it's nice to you know, to have that, it's nice to go from like when you're in coach and you're treated like a fucking, you know, like you're just on line at a prison holding a, you know, a, a, a tin bowl waiting for them to just give you a fucking splash, a slop with a fucking ladle. And now you're in there, they're saying your last name. So I lean over to Joe and I go, that last name thing is a nice touch. And Joe's laughing because he knows me, right? He's like, that's so verzy to say. Then, <laughs> then she goes, Mr. Bartnick, would you like something? And I get so excited that like my turn is next that I start talking to her. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys. And like me and her start having a nice conversation. So then when it's my turn, she just goes, you want something to drink? And didn't say Mr. Verzi, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm fucking like, I lean over to Joe and I go, man, I fucking kept talking to her. She didn't say Mr. Verzi. And Joe is laughing so hard to himself. He's howling to himself. And he's going, Bill, Bill. He's trying to get Bill. He's going, she didn't say Mr. Verzi. And, and they're fucking laughing. And I'm sitting there like looking out the window. I had the window seat like this fucking, you know, I, I just fucking, what <laughs> the fuck is it going to take? You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't have just said Mr. Verzi. But then I'm like, it's my fault. I lean over to Joe. I go, it's my fault. I'm starting to talk to her like a fucking idiot. I'm, you know, going, hey, so yeah, you guys. And all of a sudden, me and her got this dialogue going. She's not going to have dialogue with somebody and then just go, Mr. Verzi, would you like something? So Joe's laughing the whole time. She comes with our drinks. She gives us our lunch. And they're just laughing the whole time. And finally, at the end, Joe fucking embarrasses me. He goes, excuse me, miss, can you just do me one favor? Can you just call him Mr. Verzi? Just to, and she just looks all confused. He goes, yeah, just call him. She goes, Mr. Verzi. And it was just so funny, but it's, it's the little things, people. It's the little things that I like, you know? You know, it, that's what it is. You know, some people like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I know my voice, everything. I'm all fucked up over here. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm getting sick. Um, but yeah, my, uh, my thing is the little things. That's all. It, it's just a, it's that little extra courtesy. It's that little extra complimentary. It's the little chocolate mint on the pillow when you get back to the room, little things like that. But I'm like that with people too, you know, it's like, you know, you catch a BJ, grab the balls. I'm kidding. I don't know why it always goes to that. But, you know, but it's that it's that little gesture that just shows care. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I really. Um, all right, let's get to your guys' unacceptables. And then I have mine. And mine might get a little angry because I'm still, I'm still dealing with, like, shit going on in my neighborhood or in my district. Uh, so we'll try to, we'll try to go, uh, you know, we'll try to get there. Let's see here. Um, this one is, let's see, so I guess I should start with the, okay, what is the last one, I'm sorry. See, some people write things like, they put it in the unacceptables, like, column, or whatever, and then it's like, not an unacceptable, you don't have to read this, um, so, let's see here, uh, Oh, dude, I got to hit this dude up. I got to hit this dude up. This dude's the best. Uh, okay. Let's see. Is this one? I'm sorry, guys. I don't know if this is... Okay, I think this is one here. Surprise party from Josh. Paul, this year I ended up throwing a surprise party for my friend's 25th birthday. He had no idea. But when we walked in the party, no one could help but notice that the kid looked ill when we surprised him, like he was going to throw up. He, he ended up loving the party. We all had a good time, and the dude really appreciated Oh, yeah, this is from my last one, right? People react to surprises differently, so I'm glad you and my friend didn't die. Best regards, Josh. Yes, I asked you guys because of my surprise party. 
uh, that my wife threw me, which I was completely shocked about. I asked you guys to send me one. Yeah, and the one about the woman fainting, you guys were, you guys saw that. But yeah, I swear to God, man, um, I was, it freaked me out. And there are definitely people, I think, who like either get sick, throw up, faint. And like me, I just, I actually put both hands up. If you guys saw the video, I put both hands up in midair as if I was blocking something physical coming at me. But it was just my way of being like, hold up a second. And then I had to walk out of the room. Um, all right, this is another one. This is another one, uh, from, this is a surprise party story. Here we go. This is from Drew. And Drew says, uh, surprise party 20s style. Here we go. Um, Paul, just watch your special. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you are absolutely hilarious. Keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate that. I can relate to your shock and awe at receiving a surprise party. Here is the story about the best surprise party I have ever been involved in. All right, we got to listen to this shit. I was 29 turning 30 in January. Yeah, that's a big one. When I turned 30, my wife transformed my mother's house into a real casino, real craps table, not like one that you buy at a store. Like she actually had casino shit there and I had a blindfold on and I almost puked. Uh, the party took place in October. At the time, I was in uh, in the New York State Police Academy and only home for a brief uh, stints on the weekends. On a random Saturday, my fiance, now wife, orchestrated an elaborate scavenger hunt for me uh, that ended up in the absolute best party of my life, and I was completely shocked. Wow. Yo, women, I just got to go back to this real quick. Women are the fucking, sh I'm not even kidding, women should run countries and women should fucking, I, I, I'm not even joking around. I think a woman, I just want to test a woman general in the army. Because just based on the way women could plan a surprise party and have you completely fucking stunned, what do you think she's going to have the enemy do? Seriously, what do you think the fucking enemy's going to do? The enemy's going to be coming up on a hill thinking that they're going to be, and before you know it, you're just going to fucking be behind them. Like women are on another level. My wife arranged for me to meet up with two of my best friends at a bar in a downtown area. Okay? She arranged previously with my friends and the bartender to set uh, the bartender a set of clues that would lead us to different bars across the city. These clues involved going to different bars and performing certain actions and taking shots, etc., she even orchestrated a way to have me dressed in a full-blown suit, including vest, at the end of the hunt. So I'm dressed in a suit and semi-buzzed with my best friends. The clues eventually led to a large Victorian mansion in the historic district, district of the city. Oh my God. Paul, I walked into this beautiful house and was awestruck when 100 plus people, family friends, were all dressed up uh, to the nines in 1920s gear. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it was a goodbye to the 20s party. Oh my God. And Paul, this was not half-assed at all. My beautiful wife hired bartenders dressed in full 20s. Uh, wow. Uh, regalia, mix it up. Prohibition cocktails. Um, she made the food for all all the guests, and even had a Rocky Patel cigar bar for me and my friends. I mean, this is, I mean, I, this is, this is your wife, right? I hope now this is your fucking wife. 
Um, there is something about smoking a stick, enjoying a nice cocktail, being dressed impeccably, and surrounded by people who you love, uh, who love you, that is absolutely amazing. It has been two years since the party, and people still talk about it. I was completely surprised, and it was by far one of the best nights we had ever had. Thank you uh, for all you do, Paul, and keep up the great work. Dude, that is un-fucking-believable. Like, that just, like, I'm telling you, man. And you know what, Drew? That woman loves you, dude. That woman loves you. Like, that's the other thing. You know, some of these lazy bitches that don't really love you, you fucking walk into, like, a fucking Applebee's and, like, four of your high school friends are there. <laughs> get out of that. It's just like Joe Bartnick's joke. If you're fighting before kids, get the fuck out. That's Bartnick's joke. He goes, get the fuck out now. It's never going to get better. No, but this is an amazing thing. Like, yeah, my wife had that, when my wife had that, like this Dominican guy shows up with like thing, and you know yeah people dress nice. We we're in this brandy whiskey like downstairs cellar. Everybody was dressed nice. This Dominican guy was rolling stuff. You're really right. It does make a difference. But the fact that you went on this hunt and then ended up and then there were a hundred some people. That's amazing. Uh oh yeah, dude. And you're a trooper, dude. And you're literally. So awesome, Drew. Love that story. Love that. And um, yeah, I that's fucking awesome. And I see what you wrote at the bottom. I will definitely take you up on that shit. I will send you my address for sure. Uh, that's a great one, Drew. Thank you so much for sharing that. That like just really contributed to the show and any kind of surprise party. But here's the thing. You have to be like a little buzzed or like at least knowing something's going to happen. Because if you just walked into that mansion... And you saw everybody that you knew, like, you'd be like, dude, did I die? Is like, is this is what happens? Or like, was there like a, a, a mass, like a fucking, you know, did it, did a fucking, what's it called? A meteor hit and we we're all, this is it. All your loved ones end up in heaven in the twenties. Like that would freak me out. Um, okay. Let's see. Is this, is this, uh, this is from Matthew. I don't know if Matthew wanted me to read this, but I'm going to read it. Uh, congrats and seeking advice. Okay. Hey, Paul, uh, great job with the special, dude. You called it. It was dope. Thank you. I love how you kept sprinkling the special with your Lexus jokes. Uh, they caught me by surprise every time and had me dying. Totally original classic, but I appreciate it. Absolutely worth the wait. Congratulations. Thank you. Now that I've rubbed your balls a little, it's, I, you gotta be from Boston. You have to be something like there's, you know, there's only, you don't mean to suck your dick, kid. What I'm saying is we enjoyed the show. Go fuck your mother. Uh, could you give me a little advice? I'm thinking about trying out an open mic. I've been writing some potential material, and I know that even though it is probably shit, just getting up and doing it is the biggest step forward, or so I've heard from you, Burr, and a bunch of other comedians. My biggest obstacle right now is my own fear. My situation isn't that unique, but I may be too old to start this. I'm 34. No, you're not. Married with two kids. Not even close. You're fine. Standard for a lot of people my age. Um, one monkey wrench is that I've been a minister since I was 20 years old. I love it in a lot of ways, but it feels like it's time for a change. 
Uh, I've seen some shit in ministry, and my family has experienced some of it. The problem with this, as I see it, is that a minister wanting to get into comedy is like a man trying to hide a side piece from his wife. Talking about my dick on Saturday and about Jesus on Sunday would seem like a conflict of interest uh, to some. Uh, Even though these are the two biggest things in my life, also family. If comedy would even pan out for me, how long does it normally take to get um, from an open mic to paid gigs and quitting a day job? Ministry is also a monkey wrench because I'm tied down on Sundays. Uh, My wife is crushing it (laughs) with (laughs) with her photography business. She started a few years ago. This year, she's probably uh, probably has made more money than I will. She is really an inspiration to me because she found something she loves and she thrives at it. She uh, she's her own boss. She makes me think that it's possible for me to pursue a dream and maybe make a career of it. Uh, all this fear may be putting the cart before the horse since I haven't tried an open mic yet, but I can't help but wonder how it could even work. Then again. Uh, maybe I just need to step back from all kinds of thinking and just focus on the first step. I live close to Memphis and I've found several open mic venues online, so I think it's possible I could uh, at least try. Okay, I just don't want to believe that it is too late for me to have another dream. Paul, uh, Paul, I have a good life but I just have an itch for something else. I'm laying my heart out here. Uh, You're a good shit. I know you'll give good advice uh, and not crush my heart, even though it would be kind of hilarious uh, if you did. Thanks, Paul. Keep up the good work, brother. Well, here's the thing, man. This is a great... And listen, guys, I was actually... I'm glad that Matthew wrote this in, and I'm going to talk to him about it. And, um, and, and we're going to, we're going to talk about that. And, you know, this podcast may go long, whatever. It's going to be a fucking great one. All right. It already is. Let's be honest. But here's the thing. Um, other than just unacceptables, write in shit like this. This is great. Okay. I won't have to, you know, I just said his name is Matthew. We don't know him. I'm not saying his last name. I'm not doing that. If you guys don't want me to do that, obviously write in the thing. Don't read on the show. But if you want advice or you think it would be beneficial for everybody to hear something, I'll do that too. And moving forward, I was thinking about that. Like maybe the Verzi effect needs a little bit of a, you know, do something different. You know, yeah, I'm going to talk to the sports or the movie or or um, do the unacceptables and stuff and, and talk about what's going on and, and keep the structure the same. But shit like this is good for, for people to hear. The same way when I talked about depression. I mean, I had people reaching out saying that like the depression thing I, you know, I, I brought to light really helped them. And if that helps one person, and that that's amazing for me. So um, this is great. And and if you have something you want advice, please send it in. And if you want me to read it out loud, great. If you don't, please let me know that. But this is a great one to to talk about. Number one, you are absolutely uh, Matthew. You are absolutely one hundred percent not too old to do it. Okay. I know comedians that started in their forties. I know comedians that started thirty eight, thirty nine. That that that's a number. That means nothing. You could start at 34, and then by the time you're 42, you're a fucking, you know, you're an eight-year, nine-year monster, and people love what you do, and you got a following and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. You don't know where it's going to lead. You want to just do it. Um, you know, as far as the ministry thing, like, listen, th- th- this is how you feel. Th- that's, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, 
I'm not trying to, you know, be, you know, uh, disrespectful to, to religion or what you do or what you, you know, you talk about in your beliefs on Sunday and all that stuff. Um, I have my beliefs too, you know, and, um, but, you know, if you want to talk about something and you want to do stand up and it's something that's on your mind, like, why wouldn't you do it? And, and fear is, is, um, fear is like a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be afraid of something, but it's another thing to like, let your mind build it up into this huge thing. You know, fear can be tamed and controlled by your mind. You just, you just have to tell yourself, you know, like it's, you know, I'll give you an example. I'm a performing Madison Square Garden, right? Even though my special came out and I knew a lot of people knew my podcast and knew me, that's Bill Burr's crowd. That's Bill Burr's the one selling it out. It's his night. And I still have to go on in front of him and do a good job in front of 18,000 people, period. Of course, that's scary, but I'm not going there. I'm, as soon as I'm like, man, I hope it, I'm just like, no, be prepared and go out there and have fun. And, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So what's the worst that happens for you, Matthew? You go to an open mic in Memphis. <clears throat> Excuse me. You go to an open mic in Memphis. You try some jokes. First time I did it, it sucked. But you know what? I went home going, I did that. You will, You are going to sleep this much, I can promise you. And I've had people hit me up, go, Paul, thanks for the advice. I did my first open mic. I feel amazing. You are going to sleep like a fucking baby. Okay? Like an absolute angel. When you come home that night, regardless of how it goes, and you go, wow. I took a microphone and I just told jokes to strangers at an open mic and I got it under my belt. And whatever happens, happens, dude. The one thing I could tell you, be prepared. However much time they have. Five, six minutes, know it. Go over it. Commit to it. If something falls flat, just whatever. Just keep going. You know, you can laugh at it, address it, whatever. Just keep going and do it. You know, um... And listen, open mics, everybody's supposed to be new and amateur and not great yet because you don't know it. It's, it's like, you know, so, but maybe you pleasantly surprise yourself. Maybe you go up there and the, the things that you have, I mean, like I said, know it. Know it front and back, up and down, know how you're going to do it and, and have fun with it though. That's the key. So knowing it cold, having fun with performing it, practice it beforehand and just go and do it. And that's it. And yeah, whatever. I mean, it's it's. So what's the worst that happens if a fucking group of people at a bar in Memphis don't think you're funny, or or you didn't have a good set in front of a group of people? Who gives a fuck? You don't know those people. Those people are nothing but audience members. When you're the fucking person who's got the balls and the heart to step up there and fucking do it, they're just sitting there. It's easy to be them. It's easy to be an audience member holding a beer, judging. Fuck them. You already won. Once you stand on that stage and you get that microphone and you do it, you already won. Fuck those animals. Those fucking nobodies. Serious. Because they're not doing what you're going to do. So they're going to sit there and judge you. You walk out of there with your head high going, wow, man, I just did a lifelong fucking goal. I just did. So that's my advice to you. And as far as fear and all that stuff, you're a God-fearing man. What are you worried about? You know? Just just let it go. Just let it go, man. That That's my advice. Uh, so there you go. I, I would really do it. Don't your age doesn't matter, and don't think about money or where your career is gonna go. When I got into this business, I did an open mic. It went bad. I had nothing written. My jokes were terrible. My phrase was always terrible. Like I, I didn't realize that like you like I thought if you changed a couple of words on somebody's material and like made it your own, like it wasn't like 
Like, I didn't even know how to do it. I was just like, oh, well, that was funny, but what if I worded it differently? Like, I didn't know that, like, you can't do... I didn't even know how to develop anything until... It's just time and time. And then all of a sudden, I was like... Because you're, you're going to open mic. You don't know how to, like, be funny at the beginning. You just learn it. So, you know, you've, you're... And the nice thing about being in your 30s... I've mentioned this before. Uh, Mike... Uh, Mike DiStefano, rest his soul. He got into comedy. He passed away at 44. Brilliant guy, amazing guy, unbelievably hard life, drug addict. I think he was diagnosed with a horrible disease, all that, all that shit. But he had perspective at 32 because he's already lived life and been through hell. So he got on stage with a voice already. You're 34. You know, you have kids, you're married. You've seen the ups and downs of life probably already in your mid-30s. So now you're going to have more perspective than some 20-year-old going up there being like, yeah, so I'm jerking off on her. I feel bad saying that to you because you're a minister. Um, but you know what I mean. So you have more to talk about. You have more to, you know. Plus there's a lot of things like, and I'm not trying to be rude or disrespectful, but there's a lot of gross, offensive things uh, in your business. You know, uh things that the catholic church has has hid and all that stuff i mean you could if you find if you could find the funny in that i mean i know you you in your mind you're thinking oh i'm gonna go to hell and all that but no like if you could find the funny in that or like try to put funny on something really tragic and do it in a different way then that could change but i'm not trying to make you write anything go up there with what you want to start with and do it but just do it so that's my advice to you thank you so much that's an amazing amazing question um and and an amazing um piece of this Verzi Effect episode. So thank you. Um, okay. So this is from Jesus. And, oh, this is about my special. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know why. No, it's not a half hour special. It was an hour. Um, okay. Yeah, so Jesus sends in an unacceptable, says, Your comedy special. Hey, Paul, long-time listener. Just got done watching your Comedy Central half-hour special. Uh, there are two things that I found unacceptable about this. One, it was only a half-hour. Two, Netflix hasn't gotten their head out of their asses and paid you millions for a full-hour uh, special. Thank you. And you know what's crazy is people are actually going at Netflix about this, and they're seeing it and feeling it. And I would be lying if I said I didn't like it. <laughs> you know? There are definitely comedians that are getting paid millions and millions of dollars that I think my fucking special can fuck with. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm saying that to be real and I'm being honest. Um, I love the people at Netflix. I know them. They obviously didn't take my special for, for um, you know, reasons I'm not going to discuss here. Uh, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Um, but no, my, uh, Jesus, my special was an hour. But it ends up being 40-something minutes for Comedy Central's TV premiere. However, it's an hour and two or an hour and three minutes when you stream it or watch it online or watch it on demand. You can see the whole thing um, about it. But no, the ha it was not a half hour. A half hour on Comedy Central actually only airs 22 minutes. Mine was an hour. It was over 40 minutes. Um, and it's doing great. And like I said, you could stream it and all that. Um, I appreciate, I would love millions from Netflix, uh, but I would love millions from anywhere. You know, uh, Comedy Central was the one that really gave me my first shot with a special and knock on wood, it's been a, it's been a unbelievable success. And I've heard that from, from everybody, uh, including all things comedy and the people that produced it. So 
Um, thank you very much. That's nice. And if you want to ask comment, if you want to let uh, ask Netflix, ask them. <laughs> I sincerely hope that one day I will go into Netflix and see your face in there. You don't get enough recognition uh, that you deserve, brother. Keep the laughs coming. Um, that's awesome. Yes, he said, P.S., I made the font big so that you don't have to struggle reading it. No, I saw this one loud and clear. This is, this, I almost feel like you're insulting my eyes. But, no, thank you so much, man. That means a lot. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But it's definitely not a half-hour special. It is an hour special. And um, you can find the long version because we did three versions. The TV version with commercials, which had to be a little over 40 minutes. Then you have the uncensored and then you have the long one. So uh, enjoy and thank you again. Uh, Shout out to Kelly Meyer. I got your thing, dude. I'm going to hit you up um, for sure. Uh, Okay, so that's uh, that's that. Now I'm going to get into my unacceptable guys. Where are we time-wise here? Okay, 48 minutes. All right, so we're kind of, we're doing good. Oh, guys. Oh, guys, guys, guys. I totally, totally, totally forgot about this for a while. I was, you know, uh, just spending time with my family. I was um, coming down from just how, I was just resting my body from all the promo and interviews and going into this one, going into serious satellite radio and promoting and I'm doing all these things for the special and I'm just spending time with my family being away from everything when I got back from Chicago that I forgot about these you know people in our neighborhood and people that are trying to stop the daddy daughter dance um you know which unfortunately they did they stopped the winter dance uh they they did all that stuff and um my cool neighbor Jeff Bain was over the house and um last night you know, we got cool neighbors. We live up on this hill, and the neighbors on the hill, we call it the hill. We got some really good people up here. Um, get along with everybody. Everybody's kids really get along. It's a nice it's a nice thing going, and it's rare because, you know, growing up we had the, yeah, we'd go outside, we'd play football, baseball, play tag, play manhunt, do all that shit, and you were out there with your neighbors, and it seems like that's gone away, but our, our hill has kind of somewhat developed that. I mean, we, we can't really do all the sports and stuff because we're it's we're kind of living a woodsy area but kids go to each other's houses and and there's a lot of play dates and all that shit with uh, the same kids that we like so i tell my neighbor jeff why don't you come over have a pop i'm off it's sunday the giants just won i'm watching football i'm relaxing no traveling come over we'll have a whiskey whatever and uh he comes over and we're outside and he goes oh yeah man another another one of those threads those pta threads came and that couple that's a you know the couple that uh you know the couple that did you know that gave us some issues said something and um you know i'm not mentioning names or anything but and i was just like you know and jeff's a good dude he's a great dad he's you know he gets it he gets it you know he knows that there should be a fucking daddy daughter dance and the bowling with the son and the and all that and um he just tells me as we're out back smoking or whatever you know he's like uh yeah man so there's no winter dance we don't know what we're going to do. And I just I just got so sick. And then he's like, oh, but they did something else. They were complaining. They were complaining again about why school had to be canceled because of the parent-teacher conference or a snow day or something. Just just like they were upset about like these people. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to fucking throw some shit because that's why my wife and everybody said I can't get involved. And I can't get involved. I really can't get involved. 
Um, and and some of the people that I know really went at them and said some things that I put, you know brought like happiness to my soul and just gave me sheer and pure joy to my soul that they actually spoke up and said something to these people in a way that they kind of needed to hear. But um, so they're complaining about now um, parent-teacher conference. They're complaining. It's so much that I want to get on this thread and I just want to fucking just like a baby viper. You know what a baby viper is. It's like the most poisonous snake and their baby vipers don't know when to not attack. They just, they just go. They just go and they'll kill you with the venom quick. I just want to sever any kind of possibility that these people will look at me. These people will look at my family. I mean, the things that I want to say and do, I, I, I want the fucking principle in them to not look at me. I don't give a fuck at this point. But I can tell you this. The daddy-daughter dance has been canceled. Okay. Then they were going to just do a winter dance where everybody could go. Now that's not happening. So that's a memory. So now I think we're all going to round up and, and we're going to try to do something here. Okay. We're going to try to do something where we take the kids and I hope these fucking people aren't, shouldn't be invited. I'm beside myself. Okay. I'm trying to be funny on this podcast. Sometimes, sometimes it's serious shit. Sometimes I'm just like seriously mad. And that's where I'm at right now. Like the fact that these, these fucking people moved here and are trying to change things and just for the sake, you know, and, and, and somebody confronted them and they were like, oh, well, we're just educated. We want to change things. It's like, what the fuck does that even mean? You know, and I got to be careful. I can't even say this because I have people in my neighborhood listen to this shit. I can't even say what I want to say. Other than the fact that I'm sick and I got to tell my fucking daughter that me and her aren't going to dress up and go to that fucking dance. One of the best memories I had with my daughter. So that's not happening. They're not even doing a winter dance. So here's the thing. So here's what these selfish fucking people did. Not only did they take away. You want to talk about unacceptable. This is probably the most unacceptable, unacceptable I've ever fucking had. And I'm trying to make it funny, but there's nothing funny about it. It's just sickening. So these people not only took away a daddy-daughter dance, but then they were going to do a whole dance where it's like, okay, it's not ideal, but at least everybody could be involved and, and everybody could show. Now that's canceled. So there's nothing. It's an absolute fucking disgrace. It's a, it's it's a it's an absolute fucking disgrace. And I love the district. I love the teachers for the most part. Everybody seems nice here, but the fact that people are cowering down and and changing tradition for one or two fucking people because of the times we live in, everybody's so fucking, oh, we can't offend these people. Fuck that. It's unacceptable. It's fucking unacceptable, man. I hope kids fucking just randomly throw snowballs at these fucking people. I don't even know what that means, but I just, I, I don't want anybody to get hurt here. I just want people to, like, understand how wrong this is. This is wrong. It's just flat out wrong, and the intentions of these people aren't fucking good. That's the thing. These are not good intentions. These are not intentions of, like, oh, for the better. It's not. This is some personal fucked up agenda that it that it, that it, that that they're able to now in in infest their fucking poison in and make it overall that's what's happening here this is not for whatever reason i don't know if it's political or not i think it has something to do with it cuz they mentioned you know they mentioned it they mentioned it you know but i can't say that cuz then i'm going to look like a fucking lunatic if i say it but that's what i'm not i'm not a fucking idiot you know what i mean so it's like so, so these people's intentions aren't good because they want to change it for the better for everybody. Because how's it changing for the better for everybody when nobody gets a fucking dance now because of them? Think about that. 
You're going to have hundreds of people be affected by the by the fucking crazy poison minds of fucking five or six people. I mean, it's it's actually, if you think about what I'm saying right now, it's actually beyond wrong. It's almost sick. I think it's cultish. I'm not even coming to take it to that level. It is sick and it is fucking cultish. I swear to God. You know, it, it, it's just like these, these, I don't know, man. It's so beyond unacceptable that like, you know. So what I want to do is I want to rent some shit out. I'm going to rent some shit out or I want to do something with people. I want everybody to fucking come in and contribute and rent out a fucking space and we have a fucking dance or party and these people aren't invited because they ruined the other one. That's what I want. And I want it to be fucking public. I want everybody to know that there's going to be an amazing dance and I want everybody to fucking know that the district is psyched about it. I want every kid to be talking about it. I want there to be fucking signs about it. I want I want it to be a festive, amazing winter thing that is thrown by these people and these fucking other people that want to stop it. Fuck them. Exclude them. They don't go to it. They don't fucking go to it. Oh, but Paul, but then you're doing the same thing. Fuck them. I don't give a fuck. Oh, I'm pissed, people. I'm I'm really pissed off. Oh, Jesus. I swear to God, man. I I, I want to just talk to these people. Sit them down and be like, you you guys, like, what what's your intention here? What so your, your intention is to hurt hurt many children. What you're doing is you're hurting many children. For your fucking crazy agenda that you want to fucking implant in a community. And you just fucking got here. Nobody likes you. Oh. Could you imagine if I got on the thread? Could you imagine if I got on the thread? Like, I'm just thinking about it right now. If I got... My wife is like, Paul, you cannot... You cannot go on this thing. Oh, my God. I have to like write someone. I have to do something about it. I just, I, cause there's nothing else I can do. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to get off the topic, but yeah. So all you people that were listening and talking about this, yes, that, that dance, our winter dance in our community, which by the way, is one of the best communities I've ever been in. That's what's so hurtful because I'm at a place where like people like, oh man, would you go to Los Angeles? If you got on a show, would you do a sick, if you got a sitcom, would you take your whole family? You know, and that's something that me and my wife talked about and thought about like, listen, if I got to just pack up. And I got to take everybody to California and my kids are going to start new schools. I would do, listen, if the money's right and that's an opportunity and I'm definitely like, you know, pursuing more acting and shit like that and, 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 you know, certain things that are going to happen in my career. And I said, absolutely fucking not because I love where I'm at so much that I'll always reside where I'm residing now because I love Northern Westchester. I love, you know, the, the, the landscape, I just love it. I love being an hour or so away from the best city in the world, but also, you know, having a fucking... This morning, I had a buck laying in my backyard, just laying down a buck, not even a du- not even a female. Like, the, the fucking bucks are afraid. They run out, they run away, you never see them. This dude, just horns, just fucking laying under my apple tree. You know, I love that shit. And the schools are kind of smaller. The kids have great schools up here. There's amazing schools up here, everything, you know. But, yeah, I, it's just, that's how much I like it, and, and things are good. So the fact that these people are coming in and trying to, like, do this, and I just have to stay silent, it's, it's crazy. My wife can't get involved because my wife is ready to fucking go nuts. All right, I'm going to move on. I will let you guys know what's going on. Um, what else? Should I talk about my CBS audition? I did a CBS audition. No, you know what I'll do? We're running out of time here. Um... 
what should I do? All right, we'll do sports. We'll do sports, then we'll do a movie, then we'll do plugs. All right. The New York Giants, everybody. I don't even know how, how I could get funny now. The New Yorkers just start screaming, I knew they'd fucking win. I told you they, they weren't done. No, the New York Giants are now 3-7, and seven, which is not great. But look, they won their last two. They almost won that Monday. I look at it like this. I, you know the way they say, I think the Giants are an exception to the rule of you are what your record is. I believe that. I think that that 63-yard field goal the, the Panthers hit, which was a, a, an NFL tying record outdoors, and it, it just kind of creeped in at the end, that could have been a win. Eli came back at the end to go up. That could have been a win. Okay, I know it wasn't, but I'm looking at it from a standpoint of like you weren't dominated in the game because you came back and you took the lead with no time, and then they hit a miraculous NFL record the tying, you know, so like that game, that could be four, which puts us one, which, which puts us one back from the Cowboys. And now I feel bad, Alex Smith, but you know, look, I looked at the Giants schedule today. There's two hard games on the schedule and then two games I think we can handily win. Um, we play the Titans, we play, we play the Titans, we play the Colts, we play the Redskins, we play the Bears and we play the Eagles. I honestly believe that we can win those games. I'm not saying that we're going to or whatever, but I like what I'm seeing. I love that Saquon is starting to really carry the load. I like that Odell is keeping his mouth shut, doing good things. Eli, just just let's be clear. I'm not saying that Eli is, is the guy for the future, but I just want to be clear on something. Eli Manning has had career-high numbers, career-high numbers this year when he's being protected, career-high. So, um, not many interceptions either, especially the last couple of weeks. He's not throwing picks all over the place. He's not making that bad mistakes. Last couple of games, he's been sacked very few times compared to before. So, it's just a shame. It might be too little too late, but I actually enjoy watching the Giants play winning football. And uh, I'm not a believer in just lose them all. That, that doesn't, that's not, that's not a mental state. That, that's, a, that's not a mental state you want your fan base or your players going into in the offseason. It's just not. You know, you want to come in and you want to be like, all right, man, we fucking finished 8-8 eight and eight or 9-8 and eight or, you know, even 7-9 and nine f- from 1-7, and seven, and we're going to turn the page. We're going to either get a free agent quarterback and beef up the offensive line in the draft and go that route instead of, oh, let's get the number one pick and hope it's a great quarterback or an offensive lineman. I mean, you can make trades to do that. I think the offensive line is starting to, I mean, we're going to get a big test against the Bears, but that that's my thing on that. I like that the Giants are doing what they're doing. The Knicks are always up in the fourth quarter and just lose because they're young and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, the Yankees are about to spend a shitload of money this winter <laughs> to try to get over the hump. So uh, that's pretty much it in sports. Guys, I saw a movie that I really liked um, called um, The uh, Clovehitch Killer. So it's on, it's on, um, on demand. So it's like a new release. It's a 2018. And um, I got to tell you, man, I was all in out of the gate. It was really cool and different. And the, the weird thing about it was it didn't have that suspenseful. Well, let me, let me first tell you what it is. Dylan McDermott plays a, plays a father of a very, you know, a happy family, a uh, happy religious family. And, uh, you know, Son and young daughter, older son, uh, married. 
He's like the Boy Scout leader. He's, um, you know, he's a church-going guy. And in this particular city town, there have been, over the course of years, there have been 10 murders from somebody that they call the, the Clovehenge Killer. And they call him that because um, he always leaves this rope tied in that type of knot. I guess Clovehenge is a type of, of knot. And the son starts to suspect that the father, Dylan McDermott, is the killer. He found he found some like bondage magazines and he finds some shit. I don't want to give too much away. He finds pictures and stuff and he starts to think that his dad is the killer. But there hasn't been a killing in the town for 10 years. So it stopped. And there hasn't been a killing in the town for a while. And it stopped. So now all this stuff is going on. And he comes across a girl, the son, who is like really fascinated with the killing. And they become more into like learning about it. And she discovers that he thinks it's the dad. And then you're going back and forth and you just don't know if it's the dad. And then something happens where you think you know if it is or not him. And then something else happens. So it was really good. But what made it interesting to me and why it definitely gets the Verzi effect thumbs up or approval um, is because it was almost done how it really would be done. There was none of that stupid, suspenseful shit where the son is like looking for stuff and then the dad is like standing behind him with the music. It was none of that like stupid horror movie or like overly suspenseful, like fake drama. This shit was like, if this was happening, if this was really like how it, like how it would happen in a town, how the killer would behave, how the, it was just really, I thought good. Um, so it was, it was definitely, uh, there's some really disturbing parts where you're just like, fuck man. Like <laughs> you, there like some parts where you, you just see how crazy these people are and could be. So as far as that, I liked it. You know, what else do you need to know? It's about a guy who you don't know if he's a serial killer or not. The son suspects it and shit happens and then things get crazy at the end. I mean, it's all, you got to watch it. It's a, I mean, if I heard that review, I would watch it that night. So there you go. It, I, I liked it a lot. And like I said, it's on demand, and it's called The Clove Hinch Killer. Uh, let me just make sure of that for you guys, so you know, I'm not fucking it up, but I think that that's, that's the deal. Um, the I'm typing it in here. Yes, so, yes, The Clove Hitch Killer, uh, C-L-O-V-E, one word, uh, H-I-T-C-H, The Clove Hitch Killer. And, oh, it's actually in some movie theaters right now, but it was it's a, it's a new release, and it's from IMC Films. And, uh, yeah, so there you go, Dylan McDermott. Um, and, yeah, it's, it was fucking, I was one of those where, like, I think I was like, I think I might have even said out loud last night, or think I go, I'm in. Like, you ever just watch something, you're like, oh, yeah, I got it, this is, I don't care if there's four more hours of this shit, I got to find out if this guy's a serial killer or not. Um, all right, guys, that was the, uh, that was the fucking episode, and I, you know, I know it got a little angry there at the end. It was going nice. You know, the Colombian coffee was going through, and then I just thought about that, and I got angry. Um, I don't know, who knows? Maybe I'll just burn bridges in my, um. I'm either just gonna, you know what, I'm probably gonna just vent and take it out on you guys for the next five years. You wanna know what else these fucking people did? This bitch did this, this, <laughs> just start freaking out. 
You know, it's gonna we're gonna lose everything. There's no more lunch. Yeah, they said we can't have lunch in school. Why does the bus come to only certain kids' houses? Now we got to hike to the bus so everybody has an opportunity. It's just, you know, it, it is it is what it is. There are those people. There are those people. God, I hope Trump wins just to devastate these people. How sick is that? That, like, somebody that I probably wouldn't vote for, uh, you know, I wouldn't vote for anybody because I, I don't vote for any of these fucking people, but these people are so fucking, like, just so opposite of that that... <laughs> I just want, I, I get so vindict, I get so pissed off that I want people to like, I would feel like if things weren't being a hundred percent right for the country for four years, just so this family could be upset. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, guys, that's it for me. Vengeance is not good. I should not have that in my heart, but you know, I hope we should have a dance on these people's fucking front lawn. I, here's what I will be performing. Um, Wednesday night, this Wednesday, let's go, where, 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 Wednesday night, um, I will be at the Fairfield Comedy Club, okay, Wednesday night, let me see, let me get the, uh, direct the times for you guys, so it's a Wednesday night show, okay, Thanksgiving Eve, and it is in a pavilion, okay, let's see here, yes, it is at the Penfield Beach at Penfield Beach, I guess it's in a some sort of like outdoor, like or screened in pavilion, whatever. Um, yes, it's at the Penfield Pavilion at Penfield Beach, and it is located in Fairfield. Uh, it's located on Fairfield Beach Road, in Fairfield, Connecticut. Wednesday, November twenty first, Thanksgiving Eve at eight p.m. I will be there. Uh, it should be a great show. I heard that it's already selling really great. And uh, that's where I will be Thanksgiving Eve. So if you guys want to check that out, come out. Uh, if you're in that area, the New England area, come out on Thanksgiving Eve. It's only an 8 o'clock show, so you could go to that show. And then 10 o'clock, you could still go to your hometown bars and see all those people you really don't give a shit about. And you could go judge who's doing better in life, the people that you're seeing. Okay, also, guys, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, Friday, November 30th. And Saturday, December 1st and December 6th through the 8th, I will be at Vinnie Brand's Stress Factory Comedy Club in New Brunswick, New Jersey. That's November 30th, Uncle Vinny's. December 1st, Uncle Vinny's. That's Friday and Saturday, the 30th and the 1st. And then December 6th through December 8th, I will be at the um, New Brunswick uh, Stress Factory. Uh, Vinnie Brand's Stress Factory Comedy Club in New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, great rooms, so I'm going to be hitting up uh, Central and South Jersey uh, pretty hard to end the year, and uh, I'm excited about that. So come out this Wednesday again, Penfield Beach. Tonight I'm at Stand Up New York, and there's going to be a bunch of other dates uh, coming on here, and and you know some summer dates are already coming in. Looks like I'm going to be doing Mohegan Sun. Looks like I'm going to be doing Laugh Boston. Uh, all of those are coming, you know, uh, next year. But for now, these are the dates that I'm going to plug. Uh, thank you all. Please tell everybody to stream uh, Paul Verzi. I'll say this on Comedy Central uh, on demand streaming. It's streaming on the Comedy Central app right now, and you can get it on ComedyCentral.com. 
Thank you all so much. This has been episode 379. Please, for, for, for Thanksgiving and for the rest of the football season, or if you're into basketball, or if you're into hockey or whatever, go to Capper Network. Uh, I believe, I don't know if the hockey is up yet, but Capper Network, uh, you could go there, you could make your predictions, pick it, prove it, profit. You could gain money, you could do all that shit, you can get your ranking on the leaderboard and all your bullshit, dude, I called it moments, you could prove it right there with the ranking and make some money and it's completely free. So please check out CapperNetwork.com, guys. And uh, you got look, I told you the good movies. If you like my special, if you like that, would I steer you wrong? Would I tell you to go to a sports prediction thing that's free if it wasn't fun? Go to the fucking website. Uh, support all things comedy. And um, until next week, I am out of here. Patreon listeners, thank you so much for contributing. We're going to be adding some cool stuff towards the end of this month. And uh, that's it. Until the next episode, I am out of here. Take care, everybody. <laughs>